Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for the first time ahead of the 2023 county season, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome back onto the podcast the man, the myth, the legend himself, you'll love him, Mr. Matt Wiley, my Yorkshire supporting co-host. So Matt, first things first, mate, thank you very much for coming back onto the podcast for what promises to be an incredibly exciting show. I have to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Yeah, really good, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah happy to be back. Um, it's uh, a sign of light at the end of the tunnel, isn't it? Winter's almost over, cricket is almost here, so it's exciting. Um, busy, busy winter, final year of university, so... Yeah, but uh, no, for now, happy to be back and uh, happy to get uh, my teeth into some uh, stats and previews and all the rest of it. Absolutely, mate. It's got all the makings, hasn't it, of a really compelling county season in 2023. And honestly, I can't wait. I've been saying that all winter long. Every single winter does seem long, doesn't it, to us as county cricket fans. But in particular, this one, I don't know, it's dragged. It's dragged. And now, as of this recording, less than three weeks to go until the county championship is back in our lives. What a time of year this is. So much excitement. There's so many different avenues and different scenarios which can play out over the course of this season. It's going to be an absolute belter over the course of the summer of 2023. But Matt, before we get into our preview show then, and we get into the analysis, we take a look at the stats and gain a greater insight into the eight teams which will be appearing in Division 2 of the county championship in 2023. I do just think it's important to add a little bit of context behind the county championship this season because there are actually some differences with regards to the competition over the course of this summer. So the first big one is a difference to the batting bonus points. Now, in 2022, if you scored 200 runs in the first 110 overs of the first innings of a match, you'd receive one batting bonus point. Now, in 2023, this has changed. To get one batting bonus point, you now need 250 runs as opposed to the previous 200. So just to go through that scoring system, if you score 250 to 299 runs, you score one point. If you score between 300 and 349 runs, you score two points. 350 to 399 runs results in three points. 400 to 449 runs results in four points. And if you score more than 450 points in those first 110 overs, you score five maximum batting bonus points. So, Matt, first things first, what do you make of the new system in a summer which obviously is going to be characterised by baseball in the international scene? What do you make of the new scoring system in this year's county championship? Are you a fan of it, per se? Yeah, I am. I think, like you said, baseball is seeping into every aspect of our game, isn't it, now as, as English cricket fans? And I think it is a good thing. Obviously, it will encourage more aggressive batting. And, the, yeah, the argument's there that what is counter cricket for? Is it there to produce players for the England team? Is it there as a competition in its own right? Obviously, it should lean more towards the latter of those options. But it has to be ready to produce players for the England team as well. And if, in so doing that, we encourage aggressive batting, among players that are coming through, then that can only be a good thing, can't it? So I think um, I've seen the thing with Pakistan that um, Brendan McCullum was saying where he said, well, if you're going to get shot out in 50 overs anyway, you might as well try and get 250. You might as well try and score at that fast rate. 
then yeah, if that's what we need to bring our players up on a diet of, then yeah, I'm all for it. To be honest, mate, I kind of agree, to be honest, because I like it. I think that given this new approach that we've got in Test Cricket, I think that this actually does feed into it, doesn't it? And obviously the Championship is a prestigious competition in its own right, but the other purpose of this competition as the first-class feeder into the national team is to produce a team which will compete in international Test Cricket. So I don't mind it, to be honest, and this summer it is going to be interesting, isn't it, with the the influence of Basball. As players try and vie for those international spots, it's going to be so competitive. And I do think we are going to see a difference in batting approach in 2023. So, again, it's going to be such an interesting summer. And in terms of the the second difference this year in the county championship, this is for the ninth and tenth rounds of the competition. So the 25th to the 28th of June and the 10th to the 13th of July, there will be a trial of the Kookaburra Ball in the county championship, which, as many people will know, the Kookaburra hasn't got as pronounced a lacquer as the Duke's ball, so it doesn't swing as much. It also tends to drop off a bit quicker with regards to the amount of swing which is produced by the ball itself. Again, Matt, before we get into the analysis of the teams, are you a fan of the trialling of the Kookaburra ball in those rounds? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not something we've seen before, is it? So experiment, try it. Obviously, it has to come with the caveat that it has to be completely equal. Every team has to be given the same opportunity to use it and every team has to play the same number of games with it because you can't undermine the integrity of the competition. But yeah, I think it seems eminently sensible. Let's give it a go. Um, if we're going to play it in round nine and ten, which are going to be the height of summer, middle of July, then it potentially brings an opportunity for the spinners to come into the game, take the weight um, of influence away from seam bowlers. Um, you know, they have their turn at the table in April and May when it's green and when it does swing. And then we allow the spinners coming for it in the summer. Yeah, I think, why not? It, it could it could fall flat, but it could also fly. So I think let's give it a go. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, the proof will be in the pudding, won't it? When we see it over the course of those two rounds in summer, there's a lot of speculation as to how it will impact those two rounds. But as you said, if it does bring in the spinners into a little bit more. If we can see some high-scoring batting efforts, for example, it could prove to be a good stroke from the ECB. So we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, only time will tell. But yeah, that will be the second difference in this year's county championship. So it's going to be a very, very interesting competition, to say the least. And for today's show, we are discussing Division 2. Now, Division 2 last year was very competitive. And it got so close towards the end, didn't it? In particular, that battle between Middlesex and Glamorgan. Ultimately, the Saxes of Middlesex reaching the promised land of Division 1 for the first time since 2017. So Glamorgan are going to really fancy their chances again for a strong push in 2023. And talking of the opening round then of Division 2 fixtures, which will start on the 6th of April, we've got Derbyshire taking on Worcestershire at the Encora County Ground in Derby. Glamorgan will take on Gloucestershire at Sophia Gardens. Sussex will face off against Durham at the first central county ground in Hove. And finally, Yorkshire will take on Leicestershire at Clean Slate Headingley. So, Matt, it's an interesting opening round of fixtures, isn't it? And we can discuss each of them as the podcast does progress and we can take a deeper dive into each of those teams. But are you excited? about Division 2 this season? Because I certainly am. I think it's going to be a very, very gripping and compelling 
season of Division 2 over the course of this season. Yeah, it should be. I mean, like you said, we saw it at the back end of last season with the battle for who was going to get promoted. If it's anything like that again this season, you almost might be tempted to say that I'm going to have to, obviously, you know my history with Nottinghamshire, but if I take my bias hat off and say that with Nottinghamshire having been promoted, there's no really strong, obvious, overwhelming favourite for the title like there was last year, which was Nottinghamshire. So, yeah, it's anybody's game. And, of course, the big positive to having two divisions, I think, the fact that, you know, when if you, if you look at football, you've got a team of 20, you've got a table of 20. You know, that's a lot of teams to jostle your way past. And, you know, if you finish eight, then you finished considerably higher closer to the top you know you're in the the top half of the table whereas um division two you know you finish eight that's bottom it's a really tight league you know you, you, you've got to be at the absolute top of your game because there are not many places within that league uh, that that allow for complacency there certainly aren't and you know just looking at the teams on paper <laughs> it does look like it's going to be tremendously competitive it, it really does and and talking of those teams then so we've got Derbyshire, Durham, Glamorgan, Gloucestershire, Leicestershire, Sussex, Yorkshire and Worcestershire competing in Division 2 this season. Let's get into my favourite part of these preview shows and let's take a look at the squad analysis. So Matt, what better place to start then than at the Encora County ground? Let's head to Derby and talk about Mickey Arthur's Derbyshire. In 2022, I think they actually had a very promising season. So they finished fifth. They had the likes of Wayne Madsen. He had an outstanding season, scoring 1,273 runs at 60.61. And then how about Sam Connors? The breakthrough England Lions seem sensation. 50 wickets at 35.8. So yet again, Derbyshire. It's been an interesting off-season, hasn't it, for the East Midlands County. They've brought in the likes of Zach Chappell from Notts. They've brought in Matt Lamb from Warwickshire. And they've also promoted 19-year-old all-rounder Archie Harrison from the Academy. However, they have also lost one of their talismanic figures, and that is Shan Massoud. He has gone to your county of Yorkshire, Matt. Alex Hughes has retired and taken on a place in the coaching setup, and then Dustin Melton and Mikey Cohen have both been released. So, on paper, Matt, how do you see Derbyshire faring in Division 2 this summer, and what do you say are their biggest strengths and weaknesses heading into the competition in 2023? Yeah, I mean... If you want to start with weaknesses, you spelled it out there, didn't you? Shan Masood, as happy as I am to have gained him, the fact that I'm so happy to have gained him probably tells you how much he was worth to Derbyshire last season, wasn't it? He, not just the fact that he was so good and so consistent, it was the fact that he was that really rare gift of an overseas player who was available all season. You know, that's a massive, massive boot, and so that you're not constantly patching up your squad. So losing him is going to be really tough. I think the biggest thing for Derbyshire, though, is just going to be making sure that they carry on building on what we saw last season. You know, I spoke about it last season a little bit with, you need to make Derbyshire, Mickey Arthur, his, his first day when he took on this almost listing ship, kind of not really, a bit directionless, a bit not quite sure where it was going, and he's moulded them into a team. The first step was to make them hard to beat. Well, he did that. Um, if you look at the comparison of their results, 2021 and then 2022, he, he made them into a tougher unit. The next step now, obviously, is to turn those draws into wins. That will take longer. Of course it will. But I think I can see them doing... I'm not quite sure they'll push for promotion. I think there's stronger teams in it. 
I can. I don't think they'll be near the bottom either. I think we can say fourth, fifth. I think solid mid-table, and I think that would be a good result with a view to just continuing to build and just keep going. And then in a couple of years' time, who knows? Promotion, possibly that. Yeah, they are a very, very interesting team, aren't they, Derbyshire? This season, yeah. and you mentioned about being mid-table. I think, at least in my view, they should be pushing for at least fourth. So I think fourth would be, again, it'd be a good stepping stone, wouldn't it, for this this core group of players. They have got a relatively inexperienced bowling attack. I know that I've said that in a couple of these preview shows over the past couple of years, but you look at the average age of the seamers, it, it's early to mid-20s. So again, it is a unit which is very much finding its way in county cricket. But you just look at some of the performers from last season. Sam Connors is an outstanding prospect for Derbyshire. He really is. I've got a lot of time for the likes of Ben Aitchison and George Swimshaw as well with his extra degree of pace and nip off the surface. So, again, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in 2023. But I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Matt. In my opinion, in terms of the big thing which could potentially undo Derbyshire's progress from last year, is the departure of Shan Massoud. Now, obviously, in terms of his leadership, that's one thing. But he also produced with the bat in hand, didn't he? You look at his performances last year, 1,074 runs at an average of 82.61. He scored three centuries, four half centuries, a strike rate of 76.17 as well. So he's scoring runs at a decent click. He leaves a massive hole in that top order. And I do worry as to how Derbyshire are actually going to fill that. Now, they've got a brand new captain in the form of Laos Deploy, experienced in county cricket, been in, in that squad for years. And the other signing, which I really like, and I like this as a county cricket fan, not as a Warwickshire fan, because I'm gutted that we let him go. But Matt Lamb, I think, is one of the most under-the-radar signings in county cricket this summer. He's been improving year in, year out. In 2021, an integral pillar of that Warwickshire team, which won the championship. And then last year in Division 1, he scored 487 runs at 48.70 for the Bears. So he had a good season. In a team which struggled with the bat in hand, Matt Lamb in the early stage of the season was by far and away one of the standout performers. So Derbyshire are an interesting team. They are an interesting team. They're one of my dark horses, to be honest, for promotion. They're not out-and-out contenders. I don't think they're the favourites for the division. But if things go their way, they are definitely a good team to watch, aren't they, Matt? They absolutely are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, as well, you mentioned the kind of age of the bowling attack. Saranga Lakmal they might not have returned Shan Massoud, but retaining him is quite important. You know, he brings the experience and the know-how of the really elite environment from having been in the international setup for quite a number of years. And also as well, Zach Chappell, um, bringing him in uh, could be quite important. He's not, you know, he's only 24, 25, so he's not an old head by any stretch of the imagination, but he's just that little bit older and he's got the experience, he brings the experience of having been around senior heads at Nottinghamshire and he you know, not that not that Mickey Arthur is, is any mug, but Pete Moore is, you know, a hell of a coach to have had in your corner for a number of years. So he can sort of bring that with him. Um, I'm, I'm similar to you with the signing of Chapel as you are to Lamb, really. I, I like it. I'm happy for him that he hopefully will be able to get some consistent matches under his belt because that's something that he never quite managed to nail down at Nottinghamshire. It's disappointing that he's no longer at Nottinghamshire, but... You know, let's face it, would he have really got much game time? Probably not. So, fair play, it's a good signing. And he does fit the Mickey Arthur sort of, that kind of pugnacious 
you know, never say die, that sort of fight. He's got that bustling run up to the crease, hasn't he? He's, you know, he's, he's, he's a lovely man. He's far, he looks far scarier than he is. But ultimately, to be honest, when you're, when you're a batter and you're taking guard, if the bowler looks a bit scary, then that's probably enough, isn't it? So, yeah, it's, they, they are, they are, a, they're an interesting team, definitely. And if Mickey Arthur carries on doing what he's known to be able to do, then yeah, they could definitely make a few waves for sure. They certainly could, Matt. And just one final question about Derbyshire before we get on to our discussion about Durham and the rest of the division. Just one star performer that you think we should be looking out for over the course of this summer. In my opinion, it's Brooke Guest. And I'll tell you why it's Brooke Guest, because in 2022, he had an outstanding summer. 923 runs, average of 38.45, but he scored four centuries. I thought he really came out of his shell with both the bat in hand and, of course, with the gloves. He's a very talented wicketkeeper, so I personally would go with Brooke Guest. I think Sam Connors is also someone to watch out for. Archie Harrison's an interesting one, just 19. Pretty promising all-rounder. Whether or not we'll see him in first-class cricket remains to be seen, but he's definitely someone for Derbyshire fans to be aware of. Matt, who would you say is your one to watch? Um, I like Brooke Guest, yeah. I'm going to go for Anu Dow. Um, good shout. He had a really good season. He had a really good season last year, didn't he? Um, bat and ball. Um, I think he could be the one who's... Um, he's, you've got to have that balance, haven't you? In a team, you've got to have a good, solid core of all-rounders in your middle order. He's bats just a little bit lower down, isn't he? He's sort of seven and eight. He's, he's not a five or six. Um, five or six all-rounders. He's, he's, he's a bit of a lower order. But he's, you know, he still managed to score a, an average of more than 70. So... You know, he's clearly got talent in his locker. Um, so, yeah, I think he could be uh, a very consistent performer, but I think Anish Dow could be one worth watching out for as well. Honestly, Matt, I owe you an apology. I wasn't familiar with your game. That is an absolutely fantastic shout. It, it really is. 957 runs came off of the bats of Anish Dow in 2022. And again, we talk about players really picking up the ante upping the stakes, upping that responsibility on their shoulders. Anuj Dalt did that, and he did it incredibly well last season. So, great shout. So, Brooke Guest, Anuj Dalt. I'll also give Sam Connors a little bit of a mention, but Derbyshire, watch out for them. Personally, my dark horse for Division 2 over the course of the summer of 2023. But aside then from the East Midlands County of Derbyshire, Mats, let's move to the northeast. Let's head to the Riverside and check out Durham County Cricket Club. Now, in 2022, let's be honest, a tremendously, tremendously underwhelming season for a team which historically has been very strong in the county championship. Durham finished sixth in the division last season. Now, it's been a pretty hectic and pretty active off-season for the Northern County, so they've brought in the likes of Ollie Robinson from Kent, Brandon Glover's came in, Baz Delader, the Dutch all-rounder has signed a two-year contract, Nathan South has come in from Middlesex, Ben McKinney and Ross Whitfield have been promoted up from the academy. And then there is the potential for the signing of Todd Murphy, the Australian spinner who impressed in India. Now, as of our preview show, it hasn't officially been announced by Durham, but according to various news articles in both England and Australia, the deal is all but done. They're just kind of finalising the last details. So Todd Murphy, fingers crossed, should be appearing in a Durham shirt in the summer of 2023. However. Aside from those pieces of business, they've also lost three major components of the Red Bull side. The club's all-time leading first-class wicket-taker, Christopher Rushworth, has left and gone to my county of Warwickshire. 
Sean Dixon has moved to the West Country, he's gone to Somerset, and Matt Salisbury has gone to Leicestershire. So Matt, before we get on to the analysis of the strengths and weaknesses of that Durham side, how, how do you kind of summarise and describe Durham's business over the course of the off-season? Because they have made some pretty good signings there, especially with Ollie Robinson. I think he's a fantastic signing for the club, but at the same time, they've also lost some very experienced players there, haven't they? in the likes of Rushworth, Dixon and Matt Salisbury. They have, yeah. And the fact that Salisbury and Rushworth are both in the bowling attack is a bit of a blow because obviously the strength of Chester Lystreet being where it is. And um, if it's a bit green in April and May, um, it's a seamless paradise, isn't it? So the thing with Rushworth as well is it's not just that they've lost his experience head. It's not just that they've lost his skill as well. He, he's got a bit of a aura about him hasn't he he's, he's, he's in that sort of circle of county legends with you know I mean Darren Stevens, for example I mean, he's still going hopefully isn't he we'll see fingers crossed him up between, now, between now and the end of the season between now and the beginning of the season um, but yeah him Luke Fletcher um, yeah that, that kind of aura around them that just makes just elevates them and just elevates everybody around them it's, it's just not quite the same without him he's has been part of the furniture up there, hasn't he? So that will be the biggest thing. It's not just this his skill that they've got to replace. Um, it's this, yeah, this, this kind of sense that he brings to the team. Um, that said, yeah, you're absolutely right. Ollie Robinson is a brilliant signing. Um, I was surprised he left Kent actually. I think he, he got opportunities. He was he was doing well, um, but obviously he clearly liked his time on loan, didn't he? So he's he's made that decision and fair play. Um, and yeah, yeah, Brandon Glover. Seema to replace him. Yeah, it's certainly been a change, a lot of change. Um, you know, three in, three out, more than um, more than that. But yeah, it's it's whether it's whether or not they'll be able to fit it all together as well. They've got a new head coach, haven't they? As well, so it could be. I, I get why they've made a lot of change because, like you said, it was an underwhelming season, and they want to try and pick up those final pieces of the puzzle to turn them into a properly proper outfit that can really push forward. Um, I think, yeah, it will go one of two ways. Well, it will go really well or it will go really badly. Um, I think Durham will either get themselves promoted or they're going to massively underwhelm and probably more so than last year. Yeah, to be honest, Matt, I'm kind of sad to say that, that I agree because as long-term listeners of the podcast will know, I've always had a massive soft spot for Durham. They've produced some outstanding cricketers over the years and I love making the journey it's a long journey don't get me wrong from the Midlands but the journey up to the riverside it's a lovely ground and the fans are always so so kind and welcoming up there so it's been a shame to see the 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 fall and the decline of Durham in first class crickets ever since 2016 when they were hit with that financial sanction but they do have promise there is promise in this team and there are definitely players who are worthy and capable of getting the club promoted in 2023. And one of them in particular, Matt, is Ben Rain. Now, Ben Rain, I think, goes under the radar massively in county cricket. He's an excellent all-rounder across formats, but in particular, with the ball in hand. In 2022, 47 wickets, average of 25.25. I just think he needs more recognition. And I think, again, he is going to be a vital pillar for Durham if they are to succeed in the championship this season. Talking of the same attack as well, they may have lost the likes of Rushworth and Salisbury, 
But when they do have the likes of Potts, maybe Mark Wood could come in for a couple of games, Ben Stokes as well. They've got one of the best seam attacks in the entire division, haven't they? So on paper, Durham have got the makings at full strength of making a challenge for promotion. The only problem that I have with this team is in experience, in particular in the seam departments. I think at their full strength, excellence. But when the likes of Woods, when the likes of, of Bryden Cast, when the likes of Stokes and the likes of Matt Potts are away with England, all of a sudden, pretty much the entire responsibility of wicket-taking falls on the shoulders of Ben Rain. And this was massively apparent last season. So you look at the drop-off from Potts, Rain and Rushworth. Potts took 58 wickets, Rain took 47, Rushworth took 34. The next highest wicket-taker in the team was Liam Travaskis with 16 wickets, the left-arm spin bowler. So you look at those players, the likes of an Ollie Gibson, for example, a Mitch Killeen, a Stan McCallendon, a Brandon Glover. These guys have each got their own different skill sets to take wickets and be successful in the championship this year, but they've not got a lot of first-class experience whatsoever. And that could be the downfall of Durham in 2023. Would you agree with that, Matt, or do you see the, the strengths and weaknesses of this team being a little bit different? What are your thoughts on Durham heading into the Championship this summer? No, I would agree with that and just backs up what I was saying about Rushworth, really. The fact that they've lost him, they, he just provided so much more than just a good seam bowler, didn't he? He would have been a really handy mentor to those young seamers. So it's, it's a big loss that they're, that they're having to contend with, yeah. Um, the strengths, I think, strangely, for what I've said about Chesterley Street being good for bowlers, the, um, that opening pair of Lees and uh, Alex Lees and Michael Jones, they, they were really solid last season. I mean, again, Lees might be one that they don't necessarily have all season if he gets recalled to England. Um, maybe he will, maybe he won't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but if he does, then that could be something that they've got to contend with. But they should have him in place for certainly the first few games of the season, regardless of that. So, yeah, I think that top order will be they're main, you know, they're they're going to rely on quite a few solid, strong bases and opening partnership um, to carry them forward. I think you're right about the inexperience of the seam bowling attack. So it will, there'll be more falling on the shoulders of the of the batters. Um, but you know, they've they've got Scott Borthwick in there as well, haven't they? Who can uh, both bat and bowl? There's David Beddingham's back. Um, I think, yeah, the, I don't think the batting ability is in question. So, yeah, it could be a bit of a strange one. So quite often, uh, if you've got a fragile batting lineup, you rely on your bowler to get you out of trouble. It could be a bit of a thing with Durham where uh, they're just relying on the batters to put up a big total that will be enough for them to bowl at on, on occasion. I'd agree with that analysis, to be honest, Matt. And that definitely is an area of strength. I know we've mentioned there about the inexperience of the same attack, but... That top order, in fact, I'd probably extend it to the middle order as well, now that they have brought in the likes of an Ollie Robinson from Kent, because he's an excellent first-class cricketer. But you look at the likes of Alex Lees. Michael Jones had a great time of it last year. 878 runs with an average of 51.64. David Beddingham, we all know his class, the South African batter, will yet again probably score at least 600 runs over the course of this summer. So he's again someone to watch out for. And yeah, you mentioned the likes of, of a Johnny Bushnell as well. Johnny Bushnell's an interesting one. And in fact, he will be my player to watch for Durham in 2023, purely because Matt Potts, I think, will be away with England. But Johnny Bushnell, towards the end of last summer, 
really impressed me. He played four matches, scored 216 runs, and he did rack up a couple of half centuries. So watch out for Johnny Bushnell. He'll be my player to watch for Durham. I think potentially, if he does play, obviously he's going to be in competition now with Ollie Robinson, but just someone to watch under the radar, I think, Johnny Bushnell. I think he has got quite a decent ceiling for the Northeastern County. But Matt, aside then from Durham County Cricket Club, who again could have a very interesting time, we don't exactly know how things are going to pan out for Durham. Fingers crossed they go well. As I said, I'm rooting for you, Durham fans. Let's go to a side which, in my opinion... And this might be the first controversial take of the preview show. We're going to the county, which, in my opinion, are the favourites for Division 2. And that is Glamorgan County Cricket Club. Because in 2022, we mentioned it at the start of the show, they finished third in Division 2. It came right down to the final round of games. And honestly, I thought it was going to be their year. They've not been in Division 1 since 2005. I thought 17 years of hurt and heartbreak would finally come to an end. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be the case. Now, over the course of this off-season, it's been a pretty interesting one for the Welsh County. So they've recruited Harry Podmore from Kent. Ben Kellaway, Ben Morris and Zainal Hassan have all came up from the academy. But they have also lost a whole slew of players over the course of this winter. So the big one, Michael Hogan, going to Kent. Matt, we can't just gloss over that. What did you make of that announcement? Because that came out of absolutely nowhere, didn't it? It did, yeah. Um, shock was my main one when I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it almost felt a bit, I mean, you know, professional sports are short career. You make as much money as you can while you can do it and then you get out, don't you? But it did feel almost a little bit, I don't I want to say the word disloyal. I don't mean the word disloyal because of what I've just said. You know, you you are in it to make as much money as you can while you can. But yeah, the fact that he retired and then, you know, he got that send off from Glamorgan and then he, yeah, it, it, it was a weird one. It was a weird one. Um, I'm not sure, you know, you'd have to ask a Glamorgan fan for the true emotional reaction. Um, but yeah, my just outside perspective was, oh, that's a funny one. And I'm almost a bit disappointed, really, because he could have retired on that high. And, you know, if he still thinks he's got a bit left to give and Kent are willing to go for it, then fair play. Um, it raises the slight question of why Kent, if they are willing to take a punt on a 40-year-old, why they haven't given Dallas Stevens another contract. But that's another debate. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a funny one, definitely. It certainly was. And, again, we talk about big losses with Durham losing Chris Rushworth to Warwickshire. Hogan last year took 45 wickets. He was Glamorgan's leading wicket-taker in the county championship. So, again, that is a massive loss. But I've got to say, if Harry Podmore does stay fit, I think he could be a really good addition. And he has got experience at Sapphire Gardens, went on loan a few years ago. So, I think it's going to be a big loss, but I still fancy that bowling attack to do the business in 2023. But aside from the, the marquee loss, I suppose, of Michael Hogan... Tom Cullen, Joe Cook, Rory Smith, Lucas Carey, James Whale and Tegid Phillips were also released from Glamorgan over the course of this winter. So very much a, a new chapter is opening in Wales heading into this summer. But I've got to say, Matt, on paper, I'm impressed. I really am. I look at this team from 1 to 11. I think they're beautifully balanced. I think they've got a good seam attack. I think they've got reliable spinners in the form of Andy Salter and Prem Sodia. And then you've also got some excellent batting depth. I love Glamorgan's batting with the likes of Marnus Labashane. You've got the likes of Kieran Carlson. 
You've got David Lloyd, the captain, Chris Cook, the experienced wicketkeeper batter from South Africa. I just like the look of this Glamorgan side. And I could say that all show long. And in terms of some of those players, one name that I didn't mention there, and I purposefully didn't mention him, is Sam Northeast. Because I'm just going to put it out there, player to watch, without a shadow of a doubt, this guy was absolutely blockbuster last season. 1,189 runs, average of 59.45, scored that 410 not outs against Leicestershire at Grace Road. Sam Northeast really has been a revelation for the Welsh County across formats, but in particular in first-class cricket. So I fancy him yet again to have a good season in 2023. And then I mentioned those bowlers. And the reason I mentioned those bowlers was because I was very critical of Glamorgan in the 2022 preview show. In 2021, as a unit, Glamorgan only took 168 wickets. It was the second lowest total in the entirety of the county championship. In 2022, they changed their fortunes around 219 wickets. They were competitive. They were taking wickets. They were changing games for their side. And as I said, Hogan aside, they've still got the likes of a Michael Nisa. They've got Tim van der Hoogden. They've got the likes of, of a Jamie McElroy with that left arm angle. They've got James Harris with his experience. I like this Glamorgan side, Matt. What are your thoughts on the Welsh County heading into this summer? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I would largely base my beliefs of different sides on what I saw of them last season, which was obviously invariably when they played against Nottinghamshire. And it was a really good way to judge how strong sides were because when Nottinghamshire rolled into town, you knew that they were the strongest side in the division. And Glamorgan were the only team to, I mean, you know, uh, the, the only team to win at Trent Bridge. Um, and one of only two teams to beat Notts. Um, last season but not only did they beat them at Trent Bridge Notts got out of jail in Cardiff as well they were the I think honestly for the eight days or seven and a half days that they played against one another in 2022 Glamorgan were on top for five and a half six of them so yeah they, they were really they were a really really good team the the thing about the departures and you know you can say oh there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of teams sorry there's a lot of players that have gone They've had a big, they've had a bloated squad for a while. So you're almost streamlining it. And, you know, you talk about this in football as well. When you're preparing to go up a division, it's like they are, you know, they're in the right place. You make yourself ready for the division above by clearing out some of the players that you know that you're not going to need to allow you to focus on the ones that you know that you will need. And it's, yeah, those players, I'm sure they've provided the services, the left with the club wishes but ultimately you do have to be a little bit ruthless sometimes and you know if, that, if that's what they're doing and it, I think it will serve them well um, they, like you said they're incredibly balanced David Lloyd at the top of the order um, who's the captain as well had turned down um, I'm, I don't doubt that he's probably had advances from um, from what you might call the bigger certainly from Division 1 the, the bigger regular international host I'd be very surprised if he hasn't and he's remained with Glamorgan, so credit to him. Uh, Colin Ingram is another one who's turned it on and in all formats as well. Um, and Tim van der Hoogten as well. Um, he's, he's a player that I've quite liked. So I remember seeing him um, about, probably about seven or eight years ago now. This was in the blast actually, but when Glamorgan rocked up at the Oval and I don't think anyone gave him a prayer and he took about, I saw, I saw his figures were something like four for nine or something like that from four overs. He's bowling absolute rockets. 
and Glamorgan just turned Surrey over and you just thought, I thought it might have been his first season playing for them or early on in his Glamorgan career and you just think yeah they've got a proper proper player and you know so it, so it turned out he's a not only is he a really good bowler and he's aggressive and he's fast he's also got a he's a handy option with the bat as well just right at the lower order and the thing with the bonus points as well he is exactly the sort of player that could be the difference between 300 and 350 so they've just got those just little bits the little pieces of the puzzle right the way across um i'll say i'll say all over the pitch i know that's a football thing but it, it applies it's it's the same thing right the right the way across the team um just yeah and to be honest if they're not in that promotion fight again i'd be very very surprised as would i matt i mean cricket isn't played on paper we all know that and we've seen plenty of examples which illustrate that point over the course of the past couple of seasons but they do look incredibly strong there is just one weakness that i did see with glamorgan and this has to be probably one of the most niche stats that i've ever produced on the podcast you won't find this on any other website i don't think but i was looking through some of the old highlights from last season and i did see that glamorgan had a tendency of losing very, very early wickets, right? So I did my research, I went back, looked through all the scorecards, watched some highlights, and actually came up with this stat, right? So Glamorgan in 2022 lost at least one wicket. So on a couple of occasions, they lost two and sometimes even three wickets in the first five overs of an innings on a staggering 13 occasions last season. Now, that might not seem absolutely disastrous because the middle order the likes of northeast the likes of cook the likes of carlson at times did pick up the slack tim van der hooten also did produce some good little reposts for the welsh county last season but when you're losing early wickets that frequently in the first five overs of a game it's not helpful is it matt do you think that could potentially be a weakness which almost undermines the welsh county over the course of this summer yes but also no. Um, yes, in the sense that obviously if you're five for one after five overs, it's not a brilliant start. But the fact that that middle order is so, so strong, obviously they wouldn't be able to do it every single time. And to be fair, ultimately that might be, just fine margin might have been what cost them the promotion at the end of last season. But, you know, when you when you are looking at a middle order that, you know, Labuschagne, North East, Kieran Carlson, Chris Cook, you know, that even if, you do happen to lose Salter or Lloyd, you're just going to, you know, teams are very, very, very rarely going to be able to rip through that middle order with any kind of regularity. So, yes, they won't be able to do it every time. You can't repeatedly rely on the middle order to drag them out of trouble. It is something they'll have to fix. But I think the fact that that when you look at who they've got to come in after the openers, even if that does keep happening, I think they should be all right. Fingers crossed for the Glamorgan fans tuning in that they will be, because it has been so long. 2005 was the last time that Glamorgan appeared in Division 1 of the county championship. So, fingers crossed, things do go well for the Welsh county, and that can obviously be reversed over the course of this summer. It's been far too long, Glamorgan fans. Hopefully, a team can produce a strong promotion push yet again in the summer of 2023. I'd love and to Matt. point out as well, um, I absolutely loved my time in Cardiff last summer, uh, middle of July, lovely weather, lovely people, really nice city, yeah, fantastic club, so you've, uh, any Glamorgan fans listening, you've got my wholehearted backing as well to get yourselves back up. 
along with one other team as well, of course, but we'll come on to that. Well, yeah, we will come on to that team in due course, Matt, probably towards the latter stages of the previews, given the alphabetical order which we are actually doing the show in today. But talking of the alphabetical order, we go from one G team to another G team, which is just across the Bristol Channel, Gloucestershire County Cricket Club. Now, Gloucestershire, again, a really interesting team this summer. I keep on saying that word, but they are a team which, again, could be promotion contenders, in my view. Because last season, they had a really, really rough time of it. So they finished 10th in Division 1. They were ultimately relegated, and that is why they are in Division 2 this summer. But in September, things finally seemed to click, didn't they? So they beat Warwickshire and Bristol, and then they beat Yorkshire up at Headingley. So Gloucestershire, after having a miserable summer, all of a sudden looked like a team which could compete in the first division. And I do think if things click yet again in 2023, as they did in the latter stages of last year, they could be an interesting team to watch. And they have also had a relatively slow and docile off-season, which for some teams is bad. Some teams need a lot of signings. They need to bring in new players to reinforce certain positions. But this Gloucestershire side, in my view at least, is very settled. And that is something which likes of AJ Dale, the likes of Jared Warner, have said on this podcast. The team feels very, very relaxed and settled as a unit. They're comfortable in each other's company. And it's that camaraderie which can also play a massive role in a promotion push in Division 2. So in terms of their departures, Gloucestershire have lost three players. They've lost Benny Howell, Ian Cobain, he's been released. And the big one, in my opinion, is Ryan Higgins, because he has been the club's leading wicket-taker in first-class cricket for the past four seasons. Losing him to Middlesex is huge. But at the same time, they've also brought in Marshant Delanga, who's got plenty of county experience, has played for Glamorgan, played for Somerset, played international cricket for South Africa. And he's mean, isn't he? He's not a mean person, but in terms of his pace, in terms of the nip, the bounce, his six-hitting abilities as well. He really is a handful to face. So, Matt, again, when it comes to the glorious Gloucesters, how do you analyse this team in terms of their chances for promotion in 2023? Yeah, the biggest thing here, isn't it, is that they're almost, Gloucestershire are almost going to be the litmus test for what is the gap at the moment between Division 1 and 2. If they are in the promotion hunt after their season last year, you'll almost know that the gap is fairly wide because, you know, if they immediately start pushing towards the top end, after struggling last season, you're going to know. Um, but I I don't know. I think they might flatter to deceive a little bit. I think you're going to have to, you know, yes, it was in a higher division. Yes, the players will understand that they were up against top-class attacks every week and it will have always been difficult for them. But none of them really... None of them really fired, did they? I mean, especially in the batting area. You know, there were no players who averaged above four. Hey, it was, it was a really, really rough season, and I think that will take time to, to get over. Um, it's a, I suppose it's a, a good way of trying to get over it by facing some potentially, I'm not gonna, I, I would say, I'll say relatively easier, by comparison in Division Two than they would have faced in Division One, but. I, I do wonder if that mental edge might just... Yeah, they're, they're not going to be as strong. I don't know if they're going to be as strong as people think, coupled with the loss of Ryan Higgins, because, you know, I mentioned for Derbyshire, um, balance is a massive part, and he was just that 
he occupied a very crucial position in the middle order, didn't he? And losing him could be it could be a tough one, I think. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Um, I, I'm happy to be proven completely wrong, but I wonder if they're if they're going to miss out. To be honest, I think they might be mid division two. Well, just for balance, because we do have to provide that, and you do mention the the loss of Ryan Higgins. They are also without the services of David Payne for the early stages of the season. He's been ruled out with an ankle injury for the first month or so of the championship. So that's quite a big blow, isn't it? Losing Higgins and then David Payne, he offers that left-arm seam option, plenty of experience as well. Had a relatively decent time of it in 2022 as well, with 17 wickets at 33.7 over the course of six matches. So... Yeah, they are going to be weaker. They are going to be weakened in the early stages of the season in comparison to other counties. But the reason why I feel optimistic about Gloucestershire is actually the seam attack. Now, in 2022, you've got to think Division 1, stronger team, stronger batting lineups. And to be honest, in the early stage of the season with the problem with the Dukes balls, it did make it a lot easier for batting. So the, the seam bowling figures in particular did flatter to deceive. However... Heading into this summer, that bowling unit has got more experience as a unit, as a collective. So with the likes of AJ Dale, Tom Price, who took figures of 8 for 27 in Bristol in an extraordinary spell of seam bowling. So I think he's got a very high ceiling and someone to watch out for again heading into this summer. But I just look at that seam attack in particular. I think they could do some damage. I really do. And then that's supplemented by the spin of Zafar Gohar. You mentioned balance in the middle order, mats. I think Zafar provides that with both the bat and the ball in hand. I don't think in terms of the batting, Gloucestershire will massively miss the likes of Higgins. I think Higgins will be missed more in the same department. In addition, with the bat in hand, you've got the likes of Chris Dent. Chris Dent has 10,425 career first-class runs. You've got Marcus Harris up there at the top of the order. He averaged 42 in the county championship last summer, scored well over 700 runs for the glorious Gloucesters over the course of last summer as well. So I don't know. I fancy the chances. It might just be the optimist within me. It might be me having a little bit of a soft spot for them as a county, but I just fancy their chances. I think if they click, and it is a big if, because we saw last season that they simply didn't. And if they do struggle again in the early stage of the season, in what is an incredibly competitive Division 2 it's going to be way too difficult to make that ground up later on in the season. They need a good start. So I do think that they are potential promotion contenders, but there is a big caveat, and that is the start of the summer. I think if they get off to a poor start, promotion's off the table. If they get off to a good start, they'll be in the mix. But as we always say, Matt, here on the podcast, only time will tell because cricket's a funny game, isn't it? It really is. When you least expect it, cricket delivers. Let's have a look at the the ending to last summer. For example, with Liam Norwell taking nine for 62. Who could have written that? Certainly not me. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm cautiously optimistic with Gloucestershire. If they can produce some good batting performances, back up the likes of those same bowlers, they could have a chance. But I don't think they are out-and-out contenders in the same way that Glamorgan are, for example. But aside then from Gloucestershire, let's go to the Upton Steel County Ground, Grace Road, as we know it here in the county circuits. And let's take a look at Leicestershire County Cricket Club. So 
2022 was a tremendously poor year for the Foxes in first-class cricket. They got the wooden spoon. They finished eighth in Division 2. And let's be completely honest, Matt, they didn't look competitive at all, did they? I was really disappointed. And don't get me wrong when it comes to Leicestershire, and I think this is the case yet again in 2023, the focus and the onus really is on the white ball formats. I think that's where they're stronger yet again this summer with the likes of Naveen Hack with that incredible, incredible batting lineup that they possess in the one-day cup. I do think they're going to be stronger yet again in the shorter formats. But over the course of this winter, they have made some pretty interesting moves. So, for example, they've brought in Sol Budinger from Nottinghamshire, Matt Salisbury, as we mentioned, from Durham, Josh Hull has been signed onto the team. And the big signing for this summer is Ajinkya Rahane, the former India test batter. He'll be available from the 11th of June onto the final stages of the season. So that's a big, big signing for the Foxes of Leicestershire. With that being said, though, they've also lost a lot of players. So Ben Mike has gone to Yorkshire. Hassan Azad, Abi Sakande, Alex Evans, Nathan Bowley and Sam Bates have all been released. And Gavin Griffiths has retired. So that's a lot of squad depth, which has been lost for the Foxes heading into this season. With all of that being taken into account then, Matt, how do you analyse and discuss and describe, I suppose, the Foxes' chances heading into this summer? Because I've got to be completely honest, as much as I love Leicestershire, and I do love them as a county, I just don't see them being that, that competitive. That's just my gut feeling. Do you agree with that or do you see it differently? No, I do agree with that. Yeah, I think you spelled it out perfectly there. They, they focus on the white ball and... You know, that's, that's where the money is. I can't blame them. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough. It is really tough because they've probably got one of the smallest budgets in the country, if not the smallest. And you can't really compete, can you, against the likes of Glamorgan, who host um, international cricket from time to time. The Yorkshire are down there now. Um, Gloucestershire have uh, stuff. Even, you know, it is, it is really difficult for them. Um, so... It's, it's not entirely their own making, and they produce some really good players. I mean, you know, you only have to look at Rian Ahmed, don't you? They, they, they're not they're not a drain on the game by any stretch of the imagination. They do some really good stuff with young players. Um, Ajinti Lahane as well, they're signing, not only for his quality that he brings, but again, it's this Leicester, the, the untapped South Asian community in Leicester that he could potentially unearth. Um, if, if in that local area, that could be massive. We we need more of that in county cricket. We need that diversity. And if that get local British Indians out, come to the county ground in Leicester, then that would be absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, I think I think Leicester's success should be measured in other ways. Um, the batting order on the field, the batting order is still quite fragile. Um, the I mean. The Ann Mulder was the only real overseas signing that properly fired. I mean, Bjorn Hendricks really didn't, did he last season? He was a bit of a, a swing and a miss. Um, but yeah, I, I think we have to step back and make sure that we look at the bigger picture when it comes to Leicestershire. Um, because you are right, I think they'll struggle. But if they can find success in other areas, then it's not all, all is not lost. Um, the 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 one the one move I was surprised about. I mean, Budding just clearly been brought in as a white ball player. He is a white ball player. Um, I mean, 
I don't don't get me wrong, I'm sure he will play red ball, especially with the loss of Hassan Azad. That's the one that I'm surprised about. Um but the rest of the rest of the departures do just seem to be clearing out a bit of the you know, the, the ones who haven't really been able to take uh, able to really cement a place in the team. So yeah, it, it it will be tough for them. But yeah, like I said, let's see how they get on in other areas. Well, that's all they can do. And again, this is just us analysing the the team on paper. Who knows? 2023, we mentioned cricket's a funny game. Anything can happen. And if any of the Leicestershire boys are listening, use this as motivation. Prove me wrong. I'd absolutely love to be proven wrong, to be honest, because I've got an awful lot of time for this county and the players that represent them. But I just think in 2023, the white ball is the focus. I think they're going to be tremendously strong in the One Day Cup and in the T20 Blast. And as a result of that shift in focus, I do think the Red Bull side has suffered. With that being said, though, they have still got some very viable options. So we've mentioned Ajinkya Rahane. Ajinkya Rahane has 12,815 career first-class runs. He's been playing cricket at the top level for 16 years. He's played for India. He's going to provide experience. He's going to provide class, stability, reliability in that middle to top order. So I think he's a fantastic signing. Vian Mulder, yet again, we saw that partnership with Colin Ackerman. Those two really did form and gel quite a cohesive partnership in 2022. And then in addition to that, they have also got some other players who I think could have a good year in 2023. So for example, Lewis Hill, Leicester-born skipper. He is now the new captain of the side. How will that impact him? I think it'll be quite positive because it's not often that you see a Leicester-born player being the captain of Leicestershire County Cricket Club. I think it's absolutely mega. I think it's huge. And I wish Lewis all the very best of luck because last year, again, in glimpses, he did have some pretty good knocks. So he scored 503 runs, averaged 38.69, had four half centuries and one century. So this season, if he can produce those 50s and convert them, again, I think he could be a key pillar for the Foxes' success in the championship this summer. The only massive problem I do have with Leicestershire in Red Bull crickets is actually the bowling attack. And I've mentioned this now for three seasons. And for three seasons, it's been the exact same problem time and time and time again. And if you listen back to last year's preview show, I mentioned this exact same point. In first-class cricket, they rely so heavily on Callum Parkinson and Chris Wright that it almost undermines the rest of the efforts because those guys have been the leading wicket-takers now since 2020. Those two have been exceptional for the Foxes, but the rest of the bowling attack just has not fired. They've not gelled as a unit. So, yet again, I'm going to bring up this point, and I really, I desperately want to be proven wrong. I would love to see one of the Foxes bowlers finish this season with 30-plus wickets and really providing a foil for those two players. And to be honest, Matt, in terms of who I think that could be, I actually think that could be Matt Salisbury. I think Matt Salisbury is an interesting signing. He didn't have a great summer last year for Durham, but new opportunity, new chapter in his cricket career. He's got an opportunity and a chance here to really kind of reinvigorate his cricket career at Grace Road. So Matt Salisbury is someone to watch. And then the obvious player to watch, someone who I think everybody here in England and Wales has gained a, a great deal of admiration and respect for over the course of this winter is, of course, the star boy, Rian Ahmed. Rihan Ahmed, long-term contract. He's now committed to the Foxes for the next five years. Matt, just some words on Rian. 
how do you expect him to perform in this year's county championship? Because he was quite exceptional against Pakistan, wasn't he? He really was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that will be his the catalyst for his really proper career. Well, I mean, you know, he only made three appearances last season, but you'd be surprised if he's ever not in the team off the back of that, won't you? He will comfortably be one of their main major weapons. Um, I hope that it doesn't lead to a a sideline of Callum Parkinson because the problem, obviously, that you've got at Grace Road is you're very, very unlikely to include two spinners, aren't you, given the size of the ground? It's not really conducive to having uh, to having two spinners in, in your attack. But he's he's so good. He just he deserves that. You know, he really deserves that run a game. Certainly, something England will want to see. I mean, as good as Jack Leach has been over the last sort of year. Um, since Brendan McCollum came in, there's still that spot is still potentially up for grabs. The, the spinner um, for for the Summer Ashes series. So yeah, um, the the big crucial thing for me will be um, if he can if uh, if he plays in the rounds of game with the Kookaburra ball, uh, because not only obviously will that uh, if if he can profit from that, because not only will that allow him to stake a claim for the Ashes and for this summer, obviously it's the ball that Australia uses, isn't it? So he will have, he might even have one eye on the next away Ashes series, which I know I appreciate is three, four years, three, four years away, yeah. But um, he could, he, you know, he's he's so young that he can look far into the future and he can have these big dreams. So yeah, he will be really, really crucial for Leicestershire and I hope that he carries on doing what he did in, uh, against Pakistan and you know, I'm sure many others do as well. Fingers crossed he can, because that boy's a superstar. Yeah. He really is. There's a reason I had him on this podcast after the Under-19 World Cup. You can just see with certain players, they possess that star talent, don't they? And Rian Ahmed, yeah, certainly fits the bill. So I wish the Foxes all the best of luck. I think that goes without saying. But I do think, at least from an analysis perspective, I do think the white ball formats will be where Leicester should do succeed a little bit more in 2023. But Matt, aside then from the East Midlands County of Leicestershire, let's head down to the South Coast. Let's go down to Hove and talk about Sussex County Cricket Club. And to be honest, Matt, there's only one place that we can start when talking about Sussex, and that is with one of the incoming signings. A certain Australian, a generational talent, Nathan McAndrew, who used to play for my county of Warwickshire. No, of course, he is an excellent signing. Don't get me wrong, I'll discuss Macca in due course, but the big signing for Sussex is, of course, Stephen Peter Devereux-Smith. Steve Smith, a legend of Australian cricket, someone who we as England fans have felt the wrath of over many an Ashes season. First and foremost, Mats, what do you make of the signing? Because there's quite a bit of controversy, wasn't there, surrounding this? Yeah, there was. Um, I'm with the ones causing the controversy. I don't, I don't like it. I don't know if that, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm 24, maybe I should be in the camp that I do like it and it's good for the game and it, it progresses it and stuff, but I, I don't. Why are we giving him the opportunity to come over here? And it's the one thing that we do have in the it, 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 English conditions. I know they're not massively different to Australia, but we've, it's still something that we can profit from. And not only that, we're also, if there's any opportunity to, have, to get Joffrey Archer fit, He's going to be doing that in those nets as well. So he's going to be getting the practice off him. So I, I, I don't like it. I, I think 
I know that the ECB shouldn't be intervening if counties want to sign him. Then that's up to the counties. They they have to be autonomous. I mean, you know, we've seen all that with the, the Strauss review. Long may the fighting spirit of the counties continue. But yeah, I I I don't like it. I just think it's counterproductive to England's chances of doing well. And you know, maybe it doesn't really have that much of an impact. But he's not signed to help Sussex pr- progress. I think he's signed purely to use it as a warm-up for Australia and yeah I, I just think it's I, I my respect for Sussex has dropped a little bit uh, it remains high um, I, again it's another place I went down to at the beginning of last season I liked it down there but I just think you know couldn't you have, couldn't you have got someone else certainly you know would, would you not have wanted somebody else who could have played more than three games just yeah I just yeah not sure not sure well, as my duty of the host of the County Cricket Podcast, I do have to provide some devil's advocate, don't I? That is my job. And to be honest, Matt, I'm actually not massively against it myself, but I'll give you some reasons why, right? Just to, again, give that opposite side and a different perspective. So, yes, he is only in for three games, and those games will be against Worcestershire, Leicestershire and Glamorgan. So, first things first, straight off the bat, we're going to see Marnus versus Steve Smith which is going to be an instant draw for the crowds into the county championship on both the live streams and, of course, in ground. So I think that will be a really good way of selling tickets for that particular match. In addition to that, I know there's been a lot of talk about giving him practice, but let's be honest, 2019, he came off a year of not even being in the game after all of the fallout from Sandpaper Gate and the controversy in Cape Town. And he smashed us, didn't he? He absolutely (laughs) obliterated us. He didn't have any county experience then. So, again, you can make that argument. Does he even need the practice against us? He seems to destroy us every single Ashes anyway. And then the third one, yes, it is only for three matches. But something which I must say could be a massive bonus from this is the rubbing of shoulders that he has with the likes of a Tom Haynes and an Ali Orr and a James Coles. Because Sussex, we always mention this, don't we? The, the young, the youth elements of that setup, And they've got some really promising batting talents. Now, you've already got Chiteshwa Pajara. You've got Pajara in for the entirety of the summer. But for three matches, so for about 21, 22 days, you're going to have Stephen Smith at your disposal to learn off of, to have those little bit tidbits of information, to gain those little bits of experience from him, to learn from one of the masters of test cricket. He has an average of 59 in the test arena. So I personally think that there are some positives about it. Don't get me wrong, I completely see the alternate view as well, because for three matches, it is a little bit ridiculous. We've got to be honest, they're probably paying him an absolute fortune as well. But there are two sides of the argument. So I'm not massively anti-Steve Smith being in county cricket this summer for three matches, but I can definitely see the, the opposite side. The proof of the pudding, though, will be the ashes. So we'll have to wait and see. If he does perform in the ashes... My opinion could change. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. The Only is, time will tell. The thing is, of course, it's very difficult. It will be very difficult to say it because, I mean, you're right. He does destroy us anyway. I would counter that by saying, "Well, why would you help him even more?" But the thing is, obviously, if he if he does perform, then people who think, "Oh, well, it's all right," they can say, "Oh, well, he would have done that anyway." It's it's only if he fails, then it's 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 like you know, there is the get out of jail free card. For people who like it, in that, you know, oh, did did that really help him? He would have done that anyway. It's it, it's very difficult to prove 
whether or not it's actually going to help him, isn't it? The can I be a bit of a a bit controversial as well myself and say the man's technique, as we've seen, is not actually that good, is it? It seems to defy logic. The man's technique seems to be based off the fact that you just don't know where to bolter him because he just hits it away. It, it's not he's not he's not exactly a classic athlete, is he? He's not exactly a, a perfect person to learn the real fine he's not he's not an Ian Bell to learn a beautiful cover drive off, is he? He's, I don't get me wrong, he's got a good cover drive, but he's I don't know. I, maybe maybe I've I've got myself caught up in a whirlwind dislike of Steve Smith. I mean, obviously I don't like him sandpaper gate being a bit a major factor in that, but I don't know. I just yeah. The whole the whole situation, I just don't like it. Tell me how you really yeah. feel about this signing, Matt. Yeah, I know. I'm probably, obvious. I'm, probably doing myself out of, I'm probably doing myself out of ever coming back on here again and uh, I'm probably annoying a few people. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe I'm too bitter and twisted. I am, to be fair. Uh, if there's a bit of criticism coming my way for this viewpoint, then I'll I'll accept it. But yeah, I just think, uh, could you not assign someone else? Glamorgan signed Marnus Labashine. Fine, he's been here for two, three years and he's playing a good chunk of the summer. You know, he's, he's, he's there to help Glamorgan as well as to get practice for himself. You know, Smith is just in it for himself, isn't he? Well, Matt, you're entitled to your opinion. And obviously, there'll be people who agree, people who disagree. <laughs> All right, I'm quite thoughtful with it. That's sports. At the end of the day, cricket's a subjective game. So, again, you're entitled to that opinion. I do differ in that opinion. But then again, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? If he does perform in the Ashes sure. or when he performs in the Ashes. Let's be honest, it's, it's Steve inevitable. Smith. Yeah, it is inevitable. So we'll have to wait and see. But for Sussex, I, I do think I do think he is going to be quite a good signing for them. Even if he doesn't score tons of runs, I just think the, the experience he can provide for those youngsters will be invaluable. But aside from Steve Smith, you've got Nathan McAndrew coming into the team. And in terms of departures, Sussex, again, pretty settled. Luke Wright's retired. But other than that, no more major departures from the Marlets. So heading into this summer, very much a settled team. And we've already mentioned the overseas options. Chiteshwa Pajara. We've mentioned so much about Steve Smith. Pajara, over the course of eight matches last summer, scored 1,094 runs at 109.4. So, yet again, he's going to be a major cog in this Sussex batting lineup. I expect him to have yet another fantastic summer, as we probably expect. And in addition to the likes of Smith, in addition to Pajara, I do think Nathan McAndrews is a really interesting signing. Now, he didn't have a great summer with the ball in hand for Warwickshire, but I do remember one particular innings against Northamptonshire at Wantage Road where he scored a 50. So he does also extend the tail that Sussex do possess. In addition to that, if you look at your Sheffield Shield stats this summer, or this winter, I suppose, for us, summer if you're Australian, he's taken 28 wickets at 29.82 for the South Australia Redbacks. So he's had a decent time of it on home soil. So in terms of the overseas options, I think Sussex, tremendously strong, arguably the strongest overseas collective or group in the entirety of Division 2 this summer. And yeah, I do think they are going to play yet another major role for the Martlets in 2023. In terms of weaknesses, Matt, before we go on to our discussion about Worcestershire and Yorkshire, yet again, it's an experience, isn't it? That is the one thing which can undermine this Sussex team in 2023 because yet again I've done the research I've done the stats right and I added up the the number of first class caps that their backup seamers have got so Henry Cocom's got 22 Harry Carvelas has 17 Sean Hunt has 14 Jamie Atkins has eight first class appearances and Brad Curry has four first class appearances 
Now, between those guys as a collective, they've made 99 less appearances in first-class cricket than Stephen Finn, who's appeared 164 times in four-day cricket. So they are very inexperienced. They are still a very raw and very, very youthful seam attack. But I quite like Sussex in 2023. Matt, again, we haven't even got onto this. How do you analyse their chances, their strengths and weaknesses heading into this summer? Because it does have the makings of being an intriguing one, doesn't it, down in Hove? It does, actually, yeah. And obviously, they will continue to develop. Um, when they made this decision, what was it, two, three, four years ago, to go down this really, really youthful squad route, the idea was always for it to bear fruit, probably start to bear fruit round about now. This one, 24, 25, this will be when it's, these players start to come of age and it really does start to show us whether it's been a success or not. So, yeah, um, Tom Olsop, incoming signing. I like that. Um, he's exactly the sort of player that, uh, I mean, you probably could potentially argue that in that swap deal with Hampshire, Sussex, you know, they lost a very good player in Ben Brown, but they gained a very good player as well. It was a, it, it was, I think it was a deal that worked um, on, on both sides because of the fact that both both got a player essentially. It wasn't just this case of losing this really good player to a test to a test playing count to a test playing ground with more money. You know they 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 got something out of it as well. And you know he had a really good season last year. Um, just shy of a thousand runs, didn't he? Uh, Tom Haynes again. So it's going to be that top order, um, that sort of one to four, where things will hopefully help them out. Um, it's known for being a, a bit of a road down there, isn't it? So we'll see if they can really cash in. Um, you know, um, Steve Smith aside, they'd definitely be able to learn off Chichaswa Pujara. Um, he is, yeah, uh, and, and he's coming back as well, isn't he? You know, he's, he's been there before, so he's somebody that they know they can lean on for sure. Um, but yeah, weaknesses, I completely agree. The fact that it is a bit of a road will count against the theme attack and when you're dealing with themers that are 20, 21, 22, with a handful of first-class appearances between them. It's not like they're going to have a great brainwave in terms of a plan of how to get a difficult batter out, is it? And it's, yeah, um, it will be, it might be a similar sort of scenario as Durham. Um, the batters will need to fire, put up a big total, and then that will allow the bowlers some breathing room. Um, I think when you look at what they can do this season, they they should do better than they did last season. Um, they should be in that sort of Derbyshire category of climbing. Um, whether or not we, we will, I think we'll know by the end of this season whether this youth project will be a success. We might not know whether it has been a success because it's still going and will continue to go for the next three or four years. But I think we'll, this is a really crucial season in that project because a lot of them are now coming of age and we will see how it begins to turn out. So, yeah, I hope that Sussex can do well. I hope that that young bowling attack and the young batter in Tom Haynes as well, I hope that they can carry on developing. Uh, but we will just, like you said, it's a thing that uh, we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? Well, that's all we can do. And again, I, I do agree that I'd put them in the same category as a Durham, potentially a Leicestershire as well in terms of that, that eye towards the future, isn't it? They've got long-term projects 
down in yeah. Hove. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Martlet's fans, only time will tell. But aside then from the south coast, let's head inland. Let's go to the West Midlands and let's go to New Road, home of Worcestershire County Cricket Club. Now, in 2022, the pairs finished fourth in Division 2. And I've got to say, I was very impressed with that. Just on paper, I was expecting them to finish around about fifth. So I think Worcestershire actually played some excellent cricket in the championship over the course of 2022. Now, in terms of their incomings and outgoings, they brought in Adam Hose from Warwickshire. They brought in Matt Waits from Yorkshire. And then Ollie Cox and Rehan Edavalath have both been promoted up from the academy. In terms of departures, though, there's been some pretty big ones from New Road this, this winter. Ed Barnard has gone to Warwickshire. Moen Alley has gone to Warwickshire. Tom Fell, Josh Dell and Jack Banton have also all been released. So it's been a pretty interesting off-season for Worcestershire. I would say that on paper, they probably have got a little bit weaker with the departure of Ed Barnard in particular, who was just sensational last season. The club's leading run score with 895 runs at 59.66, also chipped in with the ball in hand, taking a total of 31 wickets at 39.8. So that's a big loss, isn't it, Matt? And just looking at this team on paper, with the likes of Dolivera, the captain, you've got Jake Libby, who, as we expect, will probably yet again have a good time of it in 2023. You've got Ed Pollock, opening the batting, which is interesting, isn't it? Very much a basball-style opener on the front foot in that Ben Duckett archetype. So in terms of your thoughts and feelings on Worcestershire, how do you see the pairs faring over the course of this year's county championship? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that they probably did overachieve last season and that those departures haven't helped them. I mean, Ed Barnard is the massive, massive one, isn't he? Um, Moen Ali losing him, I mean... Would he have played county championship anyway? Probably not. He's more of a loss in the um, white ball arena when they would have got him. Um, it's yeah, they. I, I want I want Worcestershire to do well. I really do. Um, they've retained a good core. Um, Brett Dolivera is had a really had a good time of it last season, didn't he? Um, average of almost sixty, um, and then Matt Waite. I liked him at Yorkshire. It, it, it was a shame he never got a consistent run because he's a talented cricketer. Um, he did really well when he did come in and it's just a pity that he couldn't quite nail down. So I think Worcestershire have swooped in for a, a talented cricketer there and I really, really hope he does well. Um, it'll just be that. I mean, you know, like we've consistently said, proof will be in the pudding. Um, Dolivier's bowling wasn't great, was it? The... The batting, superb. Bowling, less so. So they'll need to make sure that he's... Certainly, they'll need to make sure he carries on that batting form or that he massively improves his bowling, one or the other. Um, yeah, there's a bit of experience in the squad, isn't there? I mean, Joe Leach um, is somebody who can count on. Uh, he's, he's a good seamer. Um, and then back to the batting... Um, Jake Libby, again, like you said. So, yeah, it, it'll be an interesting one for us to shoot really well. Um, I, they're, they're, they're the epitome of nice English county ground, aren't they? You know, the cathedral there, the, the, the traditional old sort of, the, the, the style of it all. It's, it's a nice place to go. It's a nice place to be. And I hope that they do well. Uh, but, yeah, that Ed Barnard loss will weigh very, very heavily. Because it's not going to be a case of, 
one player stepping up to fill that role, is it? It's going to be they're going to need to get contributions. They're going to need to patch up the contributions almost by two or three or maybe even four players performing to a higher level than they did last season to make sure that they can cover for him because otherwise, um, yeah, works, you know, you, you'll, you'll be delighted once you've got themselves a very good player and Worcestershire are poor for it, unfortunately. Well, yeah, he is going to be a massive loss, isn't he, Matt? Let's be completely honest. I mentioned already the club's leading run scorer in 2022. But with that being said, I do think batting is still very much the pair's strength heading into this year's county championship. And one name that we haven't mentioned staggeringly is Azar Ali. Now, don't get me wrong, I think he could have had a better time of it in the championship last summer. Scored 656 runs, average of 41. I would have expected him to have scored 700 plus runs, personally speaking. But again, he's classy, isn't he? He's got so much elegance, so much. I just think he's majestic at the crease. I love watching Azarelli. He really is the epitome of class. And I've got so much time for him and an excellent leader as well on the field. So Azarelli, again, I expect him to come back pretty strong in 2023. It's funny you mention the spin attack because the spin attack, in my view, yet again is the weakness. And I've mentioned this for a number of years now. At New Road, which at times has been very placid, I do think they need a spin bowler. Now, I'm not saying that they need a ridiculously aggressive or attacking spin bowler, someone who's going to bowl stump to stump and take wickets galore. But I just think they need someone to provide some control. And I think in 2022, as you mentioned with Brett D'Oliveira is bowling, that wasn't the case in the spin department. So the captain averaged 87.3 with the ball. And then you had Josh Baker, the young spin bowler, averaging 44.6. So I just feel as though if Worcestershire are to go to the next level, and this isn't true of all teams, right, because they play different conditions, they have different setups in their starting 11, I do think they need a spinner. I think they need an out-and-out experienced spin bowler. And what really confuses me is the fact that they've got Mitch Santner in for the T20 Blast, but not for the Championship, because I think he would provide that role quite brilliantly. He's played for them in the Championship in the past. So that is just one area of potential weakness I see with this Worcestershire team, on paper at least. I feel as though they could have maybe invested in a spin bowler, whether or not that's an overseas, or they could have gone in for a domestic. Maybe we might see that in the future. They could be waiting out for someone, and we're just not aware of it, but... That would have been an area which I would have wanted to have seen a little bit more of, of reinforcement, per se, heading into this year's championship. But aside from that, the batting strong. I think they've got some good seamers. Dylan Pennington is someone to watch out for. Josh Tunga's been impressive for the England Lions over the course this winter as well. So yet again, I, I see Worcestershire being mid-table on paper. I just think it's going to be interesting to see their batting, in particular Ed Pollock, because at times I think that's that knock that he had against Middlesex and Merchant Taylor's. He does show these glimpses of brilliance. He had a strike of 81.33, had two centuries over the quarter last summer. And he does fit that aggressive mould, doesn't he? He can get Worcestershire off to a very, very rapid start. So Worcestershire fans, I think it's going to be an intriguing summer. It does have potential, whether or not that potential is promotion. But I do think that the side can definitely push on and continue to progress in a positive manner. But yeah, I just think that with the loss of Ed Barnard and that potential weakness in the spin department, that could undermine Worcestershire over the course of this year's county championship. Only time will tell, though. And as you said, Matt's new road, what a venue that is. Let's go and watch a game of county championship cricket. If you can get yourself down to Worcester, I highly recommend a visit. It's an absolutely beautiful place to watch a game of first-class cricket at. But Matt's 
We've gone through seven of the counties in Division 1, and we end our discussion in the north of England with your county of Yorkshire. Now, Yorkshire had a tumultuous 2022 for many reasons. Obviously, the fallout from the Azim Rafiq inquiry hung heavy over Headingley last season and continues to do so, heading into the early stages of this year. In addition to that, Yorkshire were also relegated. They finished ninth in Division 1, relegated by that Liam Norwell masterclass against Hampshire Edgebaston, taking 9 for 62, and that ultimately did result in the White Rose finishing ninth and getting relegated. So, Matt, before we, we discuss the squad and we discuss the strengths and weaknesses, we do have to address the elephant in the room, which is, of course, the sanctions, which could be affecting Yorkshire in this year's county championship. Now, as of this recording, we still don't know exactly what those sanctions are. As per the likes of George de Bell and certain other journalists, we expect it to be a heavy fine and a points deduction, but we don't know exactly what that points deduction will be. We don't know whether it'll be 24 points, 48 points, or even bigger. So it is very much speculation at this moment in time. With that being said, though, Matt, do you think that is going to have yet another impact on this side heading into 2023, given all of the uncertainty and something which I, I forgot to mention as well, as if that wasn't already enough, it's been revealed that the club are also in the debts of the of the Grave Trust to the tune of £14.9 million. So lots of uncertainty, Matt. What do you make of Yorkshire off the field before we talk about the on-field stuff in 2023? Yeah, I'll keep it as short as I can, obviously, because um, I'll, I'll bore people senseless. But yeah, the the grip of Colin Graves is hideous. Um, I honestly, if I, I if I if I if I won the lottery, it's the first thing I'd do, buy him out. Um, he has far too much undue influence, so that's the first thing. Uh, he he needs to go. It's it's the fact that we're hamstrung by that debt is so so detrimental to the success of the club, and the fact that now apparently he might be coming back as chairman is just a gigantic backward step. The sanctions, um. I have to be fair, they are deserved. Of course they are. Um, Durham, I mean, Durham. All, all Durham did was just not quite manage to be financially sound. They, you know, they, they struggled money-wise. It's been proven, or Yorkshire have admitted, that they were institutionally racist. That is worth by a factor of 50, isn't it? It's got to be, if Durham are getting deducted 48 points for financial issues, then Yorkshire have got to be deducted a bare minimum, 50, 60 for what's happened. It, it, it has to happen. I know it's not the fault of the current players. I know it's not the fault of the fans. It's, but we as a club have a duty. We, we almost have to be made an example of. I find it awkward to say we as well, actually, because I almost feel like I'm tiring myself with what went on. But the club has to be made an example of. It, it, it simply does. It, it, that cannot happen again anywhere ever. So, yeah, whatever sanction is coming Yorkshire's way, I will accept. Um, I mean, wow, if Colin Graves comes back, then I'd be all for doubling the sanctions, frankly, but just, just for shooting ourselves in the foot. But, yeah, it's. I, I really, really hope that the players can push it out of their mind. I mean, obviously, they did their absolute best to they fought fairly hard on occasions last year and they ultimately they did take it to the final day. It was, it was difficult, but they, 
to be honest, I did think we'd get relegated. I did think it would way over us. So we see. Maybe we take it as a fresh start in Division 2 and see if we can, you know, in theory, the, the matches will be potentially a little bit not quite as challenging every week. So we'll see if that maybe allows us a bit more freedom. But yeah, um, whatever punishment comes our way for the for the racism for the racism scandal, we have to accept, and we have to accept that Yorkshire as a club made some serious, severe misstep, and that merits punishment. Simple as that. Well, it does matter, and honestly, the whole process in terms of the constant delays has has not helped matters at all, has it? Let's be honest; this has been going on for years now, and. We're in 2023 and there is still that uncertainty. We still don't know the sanctions. We still don't know whether or not it'll be a fine or how, how large the points deduction will be. So, again, all we can do is sit back and wait for the CDC to come up with their decision and see what sanctions are implemented on the club. But, yeah, off the field, it's still not looking good at all at Headingley. So, again, that could be a factor in terms of this year's championship. That's why I didn't come out here and say... Yorkshire guaranteed promotion and this, that, the oh. other, because we don't know. We simply I don't, don't know. They've, they've got the personnel though, Matt, and that does yeah. take us into our chat about the on-field stuff because, yet again, it's also been a very busy off-season, hasn't it, on yeah. the field for Yorkshire. So they've brought in Shan Masood, which is an absolute coup from Derbyshire. Neil Wagner, the New Zealand team bowler, is at the club until the end of July. They've brought in Ben Mike and Matt Milnes from Leicestershire and Kent, respectively. Mickey Edwards has come in from Australia, and then they've brought in the likes of Yash Vagardia and Jaffa Chohan from Berkshire. So, again, some interesting signings there. Yash Vagardia is actually from the academy. That made it sound as though they're both from Berkshire. Just Jaffa is from, from Berkshire, also part of the South Asian Cricket Academy. But then, in addition to those incomings, Steve Patterson has retired. David Willey's gone to North Ants. Tom Curley Cadmore's gone to Somerset. Tom Lowton's gone to Nottinghamshire. Harry Sullivan and Josh Sullivan have been released, and obviously Gary Balance has also left the club alongside them. So, Matt, how do you analyse Yorkshire on the field, and what have you made of their off-season over the course of 2023? I've, I've liked it. Um, I think, you know, the fact that we've lost Tom Cole-Cadmore, that will be difficult. Um, Matt Waite, as much as I've just talked him up, obviously we're struggling to get in our team, so he probably won't be that keenly felt which is a shame because I think he should be more keenly. I hope he should have been in our team, but that's another discussion. The re the really big one will be Stephen Patterson. Um, I think the fact that Wagner's come in will be, I mean, it's it's potentially, a hopefully, a bit of a like-for-like replacement in that he's that experienced head and he's a good seam bowler with proper, proper quality. So hopefully that'll help us out. Um, Mickey Edwards for a bit of depth. I didn't know a whole amount about him, but that seemed pretty good. I'm quite hopeful of another good George Hill season as well. I think that George Hill, there's definitely promise to be shown there. So we'll see if he can kick on after having, you know, it, it wasn't spectacular, but it was a solid season and he's still only young, so he can keep going. Uh, Adam Lythe, again, I mean, we're going to miss him when he retires. He's not going to be able to do it forever, but as long as he can do it for one season more, two seasons more, three, then we'll take it. As as you said, though, Shan Masood is massive. Um, and not just for his not just for his run scoring ability as well, it's that consistently available. And you know, I said it right at the beginning when we were talking about Derbyshire, it's the consistent availability. It's the we've 
too often over the past few seasons, Yorkshire have had to cobble together an overseas here, a bit there. I mean, we had Dimas Karuna Ratna come in. Um, we had Dominic Griggs for a little bit last season. Not an opening batter, but an overseas who didn't quite play the rest of the season. It, we just need somebody who's able to play the full, or at least five of the six months, four of the five, six months, who can genuinely be given time to make an impact. So I think that, that is really, really important in its own right. Um, weaknesses, the David Willey loss as well. Um, he'll be felt, obviously, more in the white ball stuff. Um, he obviously, I know when he came to us, which was what, all of seven, eight years ago now, I think, um, when he came to us, he said his dream was to play Division One to get into the England Test team. Well, you know, he hasn't played much first-class cricket for Yorkshire. He hasn't got any England Test team. And, of course, if he'd stayed, he wouldn't be playing Division One, And he will be playing Division One with Northamptonshire. So, fair play to him. He has gone back home, and I respect him entirely for that. He gave us some fantastic performances. I will be forever grateful for David Willey's exploits in a Yorkshire shirt. Um, so, but he, he will be felt, but hopefully not massively in the county championship stuff. The one big thing that I really don't like, though, is that real over-dependence on Ben Code in the bowling attack. The It's just, yeah, we, the bowling was where we really struggled last year. Um, we really, really struggled to take 20 wickets in a game. And, you know, we had so many draws and, you know, only one win. And that's what contributed, you know, one, one win in 14 will get you relegated in any sport. So, yeah, um, we've got to lessen that over-dependence. Neil Wagner will help with that massively. So, yeah, it's... But, you know, it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be an interesting season. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see this group of players play for the club. And, you know, we have to, you know, as much stuff. So that's, that we, we have to leave what's, it, what's happened has happened. Those people are no longer part of the club. Um, Gary Balance, obviously, the last to go um, after the departure of the, the staff members. Um, you know, the people have been moved on. Um, and this is their fresh group. So I want to see this group of players really try and stamp the mark and you know they're a new generation let's really try and fight back and go and really go for it yes any punishment that comes if it is points will make promotion this season very very difficult but we wait and see we i i hope that they will be up for the fight and i think that there's enough of a ceiling within those players that they will be so it's up to them now to go out and as of the 6th of april put some good performances in and uh, let's see how we get on. Well, that's all they can do, isn't it, to be honest, Matt, because you mentioned about the talent in the squad. That's undeniable. So bringing in Sham Masood, we mentioned his exploits for Derbyshire right at the beginning of the podcast. You brought in Neil Wagner, who's an outstanding seam bowler. Adds a little bit of grit and, and feistiness as well, doesn't he, to that seam bowling attack alongside yeah. the likes of Ben Code and a Jordan Thompson. So... I do think Yorkshire on paper have definitely got the personnel. I think they've got the personnel to be promoted. But we do have to remember that if those point sanctions are severe, doesn't matter how strong they are on paper. If you're dealing with a 48-point deduction, that's two wins already taken off. You look at how close Division 2 was in 2022 and it'll all be for nothing if they have a good season. So the, the real key thing with Yorkshire 
is what happens between now and the start of the season. On paper, they've got the personnel. They're strong enough to challenge, if not win the entire division. But if those sanctions are severe, if there is still so much uncertainty about the futures of certain players and the future of the club, we'll have to see. It's going to be a very, very difficult year yet again, I do think, for Yorkshire. But only time will tell. And that is the beauty of this game that we call cricket, Matt. We could be completely wrong, couldn't we? Leicestershire could win Division 2 for all we know. And that is why I love this game so much. It's so unpredictable. You can never quite master the game of cricket. It is always going to provide some challenges, some difficulties that you're not going to be able to to necessarily overcome. But you know what? That's fine. That's absolutely fine. And to be honest, we're very privileged and blessed that in 2023, we've got the makings of a really, really exciting promotion battle in Division 2. So, Matt, before we do wrap up today's recording... Just one final thing, I suppose, when it comes to Division 2. We do have to put in a little bit of a prediction just for fun. But who do you think is going to win the division? Who do you think is going to top Division 2? Glamorgan will top Division 2. Oh, okay. Interesting. I've also gone with Glamorgan. Let's see if we differ here then. We both think Glamorgan are going to win Division 2. Who do you think is going to go up with them? Oh. Oh, you've really put me on the spot here. Um... Oh, my word. It's so competitive, isn't it? It's so difficult. Um, I will say... Uh, um, You're going with Durham? There we go. Why not? I said it, yeah. It could be anyone, but let's go for them. It could be. To be honest, I would love it to be Durham. I, I really yeah, would. Man. I would love it to be Durham. But given the, the fact that I gave them so much backing and I've been so optimistic about them, I think I've got to back Gloucestershire, haven't I? So I'm going to go with the two yeah. Gs. I'm going to go with Glamorgan and Gloucestershire. I think those will be the two promotion contenders and the candidates who will be in Division 1 heading into 2024. But as we've said throughout this entire podcast, Matt, Division 2 is so competitive. Honestly, each and every single one of these counties have their strengths and weaknesses and reasons why they could compete for promotion. So all we have to do now as the fans of county cricket is sit back, relax and take in what the 2023 county championship has in store for us. Anything can happen. And may I just say a final bit of good luck and wishing good luck to each and every single one of those eight teams vying for promotion in 2023 good luck to all the players and everyone involved because it's got the makings of a great summer and to be honest i can't wait for it matt i imagine you're the exact same and i say this every single show but bring it on it's been a long winter i've been waiting months for this moment the 6th of april when that first ball is bowled is just going to hit different so if you are tuning into county cricket this summer be sure to also tune into the county cricket podcast myself and matt We'll be taking you through every single round of the county championship, just as we did in 2022. And may the best team win. It's going to be an absolutely blockbuster summer. But Matt, that does bring us to an end to what's been a bumper preview show ahead of Division 2. Of course, our Division 1 show will also be out later this week. So keep an eye out on that on our social media channels and, of course, on our website. But do you have anything to just say? Any final words, Matt? Anything to plug or promote before we... We end the recording? Nothing from me, mate, no. Just uh, like you've said, Eric, your thoughts. All the best to everyone. It's going to be competitive. It's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, may the best team win. May the best team win. 
There we go then, folks. That is our 2023 Division 2 show wrapped up. And I tell you what, it's going to be fantastic. That's all that we have to say. But that is it from us two here at the Cows Cricket Podcast for today's episode. So each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.